0: safe talk with safe start i'm tim page botter if your host for the day and up on the agenda is sleep hygiene so i'm constantly waking up in uh, different time zones and we quite often out in the industry we kind of refer that as to f-i-f-o fly in fly out and some of the things and the problems and the challenges that are inside f-i-f-o is different time zones and so i know perhaps you don't have that challenge or Maybe you're just like me. You're just kind of looking for good night's sleep. I think this podcast can help. We already know fatigue is a precursor to making mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes and errors only really cost you time and money. But sometimes they cost you much more. So I know that I'm a perfect candidate to host this episode because I don't get perfect sleep. Whether it's a different time zone or whether it's just not getting the sleep that I need, and I also know that Danny, our other podcast podcast host, he's also had some sleep issues in the past as well. So I think perhaps sleep hygiene can help us all. So by the way, down in the show notes, you're going to find a tip sheet on getting a good night's sleep from the American Sleep Association, as well as a fatigue cost calculator from the National Safety Council. So you can get custom data on what fatigue is actually costing your organization. Now, the Center for Disease Control actually estimates about 70 million Americans suffer from chronic sleep problems, and the lack of sleep is associated with injuries, chronic diseases, mental illnesses, poor quality of life and well-being, increased health care costs, and even lost work or productivity. So sleep problems are also a major contributor to some chronic conditions like obesity and depression. You know, I I understand I'm not a doctor here. I'm just a podcast host. It's hard for me to admit this, but I've had those problems in the past. And a majority of it was not getting the right sleep. And, you know, you listen to the experts out there. They seem to agree that the average adult, they need seven hours of uninterrupted sleep at least and I constantly find myself gearing up with my smartphone. I've got a bed that's tracking my sleep. I'm now wearing a an Amazon Halo. I, I'm doing everything I can to track it. So maybe we could do more in sleep hygiene. Now, the basic concept of sleep hygiene is that perhaps maybe your environment and habits can be optimized for better sleep. And this applies to just about everyone. But what ideal sleep hygiene looks like will vary upon the person so for that reason it's worth testing out different adjustments to find out what's gonna help you and get and you get better sleep. you don't have to change everything at once and like got baby steps and small steps they're gonna help you move you know move you towards better sleep hygiene So how you prepare for bed will help you determine how easily you'll be able to fall asleep so a, a pre-sleep playbook including some of the tips I'm about to give you, can put you at ease and make it easier to get to fall asleep when you want to. Tip number one, get some daylight exposure. Sunlight really is one of the key drivers for circadian rhythms that can encourage quality sleep. If you smoke, try to quit. Nicotine stimulates the body in ways that disrupt sleep, which helps explain why smoking is correlated with numerous sleep problems. Reduce your alcohol consumption. Alcohol may make it easier to fall asleep, but the effect does wear off. So disrupting sleep later in that night, that's what's going to end up happening. And as a result, it's best to moderate alcohol consumption and avoid it later in the evening. I know this is going to be tough because it's going to be tough for me. Cut down on caffeine, especially in the afternoon and in the evening. It is a stimulant. And caffeine can keep you wired even when you want to rest. So try to avoid it as much as you can, especially later in the day. And if you're like me, I enjoy a cup of coffee after all my meals. And so what I end up doing is trying decaf. And if you are consuming lots of caffeine, try to make up for, for the lack of sleep as you progress throughout the day. <clears throat> Another tip is helpful is try not to dine in too late. Um, eating dinner late is actually, especially if it's big, heavy, spicy, it actually can mean you're still digesting when it's time for bed. And in general, any food or snacks before bed, make it on the lighter side, if at all. If you could keep your routine consistent, following the same steps each night, including things like putting on your pajamas and brushing your teeth, that'll actually reinforce your mind that it is time for bed. When you're doing that, budget 30 minutes for winding down. Now, take advantage of whatever puts you in a state of calm, such as maybe soft music, light stretching, reading, maybe even relaxation. Those exercises in relaxation mode, they do help out. I do have a setting on my watch, which is a kind of a smart watch, that tells me it's time to wind down 30 minutes before I'm expected to go to bed. I know at this age I'm trying to do the best I can when it's time for bed. So I've set my bedtime at nine. You could set your bedtime for whatever you want. Sometimes I'm not in bed at nine, but at least I get that winding down notification. Dim your lights. I Try to keep your bright light in the sleeping area. Try to keep away from bright lights. I mean, because they will hinder the production of melatonin which is the hormone that the body does create to help facilitate your sleep. Now, this is going to be a tough one for a lot of you, but if you can, unplug from screen time or electronics. Put a 30 to 60-minute cap or a pre-bed buffer time, which is device-free. Cell phones, tablets, even laptops, they do cause mental stimulation, and sometimes it's hard to shut off. It also generates blue light, and that's been known to decrease melatonin. So that blue light from the screen can also adversely affect your circadian rhythm. You can look it up. Using an inexpensive pair of blue light blocking glasses two hours before bed has actually been known or shown to improve the duration and quality of your sleep. Test your methods of relaxation. Instead of making falling asleep your goal, it's actually often easier to focus on relaxation. In meditation and mindfulness, even paced breathing, maybe even other relaxation techniques, but that actually can help put you in the right mindset for bed, and it does help. (laughs) This one's a hard one for me to say. I will say, though, tossing and turning is something that I thought did help, but tossing and turning, it actually helps to have one of those things from a mental connection with your bed. And so what i'm recommending is is if you don't toss and turn create that mental connection between you and your bed and your bed and falling asleep and so for that reason if after 20 minutes you haven't gotten asleep it's because you find your mind racing or maybe even you're worried about falling asleep get out of bed sit in a chair in the dark do your mind racing in the chair That actually helps until you're able to get sleepy and return to bed. Again, no electronics, no TV, no internet. Keep all that stuff off. If you do that, it'll actually re-stimulate your brain a lot more than what you really intended to. You know that thing that's on your nightstand that's probably been there for 20, 25 years, that clock? It's so bright. I mean, it's just... it shines through the bedroom shines through the area i often find myself at hotels turning that clock around against the wall but also at the same time i know it's bright so it's probably getting your attention and then you end up staring at it and i know at times like at two o'clock in the morning when you think it's more like five or six and it's time to get up that two o'clock might surprise you so what you'll end up doing is staring at the clock which in addition causes disruptions to your sleep hormones and with that glow of that screen fretting about the time, it's, it's likely going to make you more anxious. So consider turning that clock off or away from you. This is a big one that I've actually spent time in the last, say, seven or eight years changing things in and out. But consider investing in a, in a new mattress and a pillow. I'm not going to say the company's name, but I just say it comes with a number, and I'm able to adjust that number as much as I need in my own personal bed. And I wish sometimes when I'm doing the fly in, fly out, I wish really that I could do that with some of the hotel beds, but I can't. But sometimes a new mattress and a pillow will help you. So your sleeping surface is actually critical to comfort and a pain-free way to sleep. So go out there and choose that best mattress, that best pillow for your needs as wisely as possible. Remember that clock, Block in that light. Any other light that's around, block it out too. Use heavy curtains if you have to. Or maybe even an eye mask. I've tried the eye mask thing and it actually works pretty good. um, Preventing light from actually uninterrupting or interrupting your sleep overall. The noise that's around in the areas, try to drown it out. I do know that earplugs can help stop noise from keeping you awake as a safety professional. We kind of tend to recommend those kinds of things. Same thing at night. And if you don't like those things sticking in your ears and you find them uncomfortable, sometimes like I do, Maybe try a white noise machine that actually evens the uh, noise out. Or maybe even a ceiling fan to drown out those bothersome sounds. There are some things in the wellness area like, you know, calming scents, like smells like lavender. They've been known to induce a calmer state of mind, and they do help cultivate a positive space for sleep. Some of the hotels I've stayed in, they do provide sleep kits, which includes a mask and earplugs and even has some incredible stuff to spray on your pillows, which includes lavender. You could drink less fluids before bed. I know hydration is very important during the day, and drinking too much in the evening, that could lead to bathroom trips that disrupt your sleep. Now, napping. So with napping, I want you to nap wisely. Try to avoid feeling wide awake at bedtime, and if you're going to Take a nap. Try to limit those naps to 30 minutes and try to take them earlier in the day as opposed to later in the evening. So for more suggestions on napping, I want you to remember back in September of 2021, my podcasting partner, Danny, they he did interview uh, the nap ninja, uh, Miss Kara Moore. So be sure to check out that episode. It's one of my favorites. Same thing with uh, screens and and uh, cell phones and tablets, try not to watch TV. I know it's another screen, but when you watch TV or when you're doing that in bed, uh, you associate the bed with wakefulness, and the bed is reserved for two things, sleep and the other thing. <laughs> I know, this is a family show. So and when you're doing the watching the TV, when you're watching the TV, that's reserve that space in another space, but be consistent and go to bed at the same time if you can each night and get up at the same time each morning, which includes, I know, I know this is tough, the weekends. Make sure your bedroom is quiet, dark, and relaxing. And make sure it's also at a comfortable temperature. We've had arguments with uh, several consultants on the road, one mainly with Jack. I know he tries to keep his room less than 65 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. I know in Arizona, if I kept my house at 65 degrees Fahrenheit, I wouldn't be able to afford to live in my house. So we try to do the best that we can. We'll lower the temperature between 930 and 10 down to 75 degrees Fahrenheit in the summer. But I I tell you, the ideal bedroom temperature for sleeping, it's going to vary for some people. Uh, But a bedroom to me that's too warm, it'll interfere with sleep. And so sleep Actually, those experts out there recommend setting the thermostat between 66 and 70. (sighs) Do the best you can. And for our friends up in Canada, that's 19 to 21 degrees Celsius. Exercising, one of the final tips here. Exercising, if you can, be physically active during the day. That actually, that physical exertion does help you fall asleep more easily at night. Having that set schedule normalizes sleep as an essential part of your day, and it gets your brain and body accustomed to getting the full amount of sleep that you need and quite frankly, you deserve. So have a fixed wake-up time, and regardless of whether it's a weekday or a weekend, try to wake up at the same time, since a fluctuating schedule keeps you from getting into a rhythm of consistent sleep. Prioritize your sleep. It might be tempting to skip sleep in order to work, study, socialize, or exercise, or some of us like just we literally go on to Netflix and just slam a slam a show all the way into one evening. So it's vital to treat sleep as a priority. And if you're like me, maybe you could just watch an episode here and there instead of just slamming one entire series into one evening. And they'll make the gradual adjustments, too. And if you want to shift your sleep times, don't try to do it all in one fell swoop, because that can actually throw your schedule out of whack instead make small step-by-step adjustments of an hour or two so that you can get adjusted and settle into a new schedule. So it's also important to know that improving sleep hygiene won't always resolve sleeping problems, but people who have serious sleep disorders, they can benefit from better sleep hygiene, but other treatments are usually, are, are usually necessary as well. In other words, Even though it may be beneficial, sleep hygiene alone isn't a panacea. If you've had long-lasting or severe sleeping problems or daytime sleepiness, it's best to talk with a doctor who can recommend the most appropriate course for treatment. So if you or someone you know is experiencing any of the following, it is important to receive an evaluation by a healthcare provider or, if necessary, a provider that specializes in sleep medicine. Here's the list. Insomnia, narcolepsy, restless leg syndrome, sleep apnea. If you've got any of those, go see a healthcare provider, please. I've had all four of those, sometimes at the same time, sometimes at different times. I went to go see the Veterans Administration doctor. They recommended a sleep study, and come to find out I had uh, chronic sleep apnea, and it was... uh, It was both neurological and physical, and they said that you either need to lose a lot of weight because of a potential uh, obstruction, and then you have to probably go on this uh, CPAP. And so I did both, and I ended up losing so much weight that I actually was able to remove the CPAP, and I'm now back to getting restful sleep. With these chronic diseases, they've assumed an increasingly common role in premature death and illness interest in the role of sleep health in the development and management of chronic diseases has grown and so notably insufficient sleep has been leaked also to the development and management of a number of chronic diseases and conditions which include diabetes cardiovascular disease and two that we've already talked about obesity and depression so with all of that said that's it for now but do me a favor i know this is such an important episode about fatigue This is not about fatigue management, but it can filter in in one of those systems. Sleep hygiene is such a big deal. This is a personal thing. And so if you share it with your people, it can actually get to the 24-7 component. And do me a favor. Don't forget to check out the show notes because that NSC fatigue cost calculator and that sleep hygiene tip sheet, it's in there. So as always, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I'm Tim Page-Botter for Safe Talk with Safe Start. We'll see you down the road.